Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to a TVO podcast. I'm Colin Ellis, and you're listening to On Docs, a podcast about documentaries and the stories they tell. Today I'm speaking with Hao Wu, the co-director of 76 Days, an unflinching look at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Seventy-six days is set in a hospital in Wuhan, China, as medical staff are overwhelmed with patients suffering from a deadly new virus that would soon spread across the globe. We see doctors and nurses covered head to toe in PPE, overwhelmed with sick patients. Family members crying over the loss of their loved ones. Parents desperate to be reunited with their newborns. The film chronicles the misery as well as the resilience of the staff and patients. It's unlike any doc I've seen this year. We are all living in a horror story right now. I see people wearing masks everywhere in New York. We're living in a sci-fi film. I spoke with co-director Hao Wu about collaborating on a doc with two filmmakers who are thousands of miles away, the toll the pandemic took on hospital staff, and the scapegoating of Wuhan following the outbreak. A quick note before we start, this interview took place in September during the Toronto International Film Festival, so there was no mention of a vaccine at this point. Stay with us. Hao Wu, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Oh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I've heard a few reviewers call this film a horror film, and I'm wondering how you feel about that characterization. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very interesting to call it a horror film. I think, to in some sense, it is. I think we we are all living in a horror story right now. Uh, it's just not. It was just not in China in Wuhan, but even right now, when you go out, you see, I see people wearing masks everywhere in New York. Uh, sometimes that still strikes me that because uh, I guess I'm still getting used to seeing everybody being so careful about whom they can interact with, uh, where they can go go in, in, into, and how people greet each other. So in some ways, yes, it is like a, a, we're living in a sci-fi film. I guess the big difference is with a horror movie or a science fiction movie, you kind of know how it's going to end. Usually, uh, usually it ends in a positive way, but we don't know where this is going. It's a lot scarier. Yeah, um, personally, I feel like we, we will get through this because uh, like in the past pandemics, right, the AIDS crisis, the Spanish flu, the Black Death, uh, we as, human, as a hum, human race, we all survived. Uh, it, I think it just got, this time we just don't know how long it's going to take. Yeah. Well, I want to get into the, the filmmaking aspect of this because there's, uh, there's, this film is credited to three directors, including yourself. And I'm just wondering how you sort of divided up the uh, directing duties. So my two co-directors, they started filming in Wuhan uh, pretty soon after the lockdown happened. Um, I s- 
reached out to them in mid-February when a U.S. network asked me to research on a pandemic documentary. At that time in February, I think the story was still primarily Wuhan with some spillover uh, into other Asian countries like Japan and Hong Kong and Thailand. Um, so I started... I. I I got in touch with over a dozen filmmakers who had been filming in Wuhan. I identified my two co-directors because I simply love the footage they have shot. And uh, we started talking over the phone. They uploaded um, every day their rushes onto the cloud service, whereas um, I was in, in, in New York. So I downloaded the footage, looked through the rushes, and had discussion with them over the phone about which character to follow and maybe give them suggestions about how to uh, cover a certain scene. Uh, we continued to work like that for like a month. And then at the approaching the end of March, things started to change. Uh, one thing was definitely the rising geopolitical tension between US and China. So China was China's government was really uh, controlling the um, COVID narratives coming out of China. So my Two co-directors didn't feel, you know, uh, okay about collaborating with me. Who, you know, who's living in New York and also working for a U.S. network. So they stopped collaborating with me, and uh, the U.S. network also stopped uh, the project because the pandemic was obviously becoming a very global phenomenon. And my focus on the Wuhan story uh, maybe wasn't exactly what they were looking for. So were I guess was was the narrative did that kind of start to emerge I guess during the edit during the edit stage? Yes, absolutely. I think the the story really came together during uh, during edit. And uh, after my uh, co um, director stopped working with me, I had nothing else to do. So I started playing with the footage they had already shared with me. I was trying to see if there's a film there. Uh, so I gradually. Uh, um, began to put scenes together. But once I have the scene, I share with them, they were still like, we're not sure whether we it's it's safe for us to collaborate with you. Um, so in the end, I really rushed to build a rough cut out to show them my creative intention before they slowly changed their mind. Well, I mean, one of your directors is, is uh, credited as anonymous, so I'm assuming there's uh, still some risks uh, for them in terms of, uh, uh, I guess, from... I don't know, maybe consequences from the Chinese government. Is that fair to say? Uh, I don't know whether it's going to be consequences from the government because right now with the film, this film is really a very humanistic look, right? And at the uh, uh, people's lives trying to survive the, the outbreak in Wuhan. I, I, I don't think it's overtly political, but then um, because my anonymous co-director, he didn't exactly get the full permission to film. Uh, even though he was a reporter, he was there doing his reporting. Uh, so he's more afraid of any potential backlash in China, either from the hospitals or from internet users, uh, mm. accusing us of trying to take advantage of the crisis to, for personal gains, and which may end up affect his job. I see. Well, you know, he got incredible. They both got incredible access, uh, you know, just following these these doctors and nurses around uh, the hospital for uh, 76 days. And, um, you know, I talk a bit about them as well. Did did they express did the staff at the hospital express any um, uh, issues with having a film crew uh, up so up so up close to them uh, filming that whole time? The hospitals that uh, my two co-directors cover, I think 
they were pretty open to have a reporters following them around because at the beginning of the Wuhan lockdown, it was absolute chaos. The hospitals were overwhelmed.、Uh, the health workers they they, they lacked. Uh, PPEs, personal protective equipments. So they welcome reporters come in and、uh, describe to the outside world what was truly happening, and that's one of their objectives. The second objective、uh, was also like with Wei Shichen, the other co-director. He embedded himself with a medical、uh, team sent from elsewhere in China to Wuhan to support the local hospital, and that team really want. Another video reporter to help them document、um, the, the the entire process because for just so th- they can keep it f-、um, for themselves as well. So there are different、um, different reasons why different medical teams and different hospitals、uh, welcome、uh, reporters and film crew to come inside the hospital. I see. Well, they followed a couple of、uh, patients, and、uh, the ones that obviously stuck out were. Um, this young couple who、uh, the woman had just given birth, and、uh, they're still waiting for, to take their baby home. And then there's this elderly man who、uh, has dementia. And、um, I'm wondering if you could just talk a bit about them and, and kind of why why their story stuck out for you amongst, I guess, all the others that you shot. Yes,、uh, it was really interesting. I think as soon as I sat down, I started thinking about what kind of film I wanted to make、uh, because I was in a rush trying to build a film to convince my co-directors to give me. Uh, permission, right, to build a film、uh, based on their footage. I just follow my instinct. I look for shots, images, and、uh, stories that really move me and on a deeply personal level.、Um, because I, my grandpa passed away,、um, you know, in February, soon after. Oh, I'm sorry.、Um, the、uh, Thank you.、Um, so after China, the entire country of China pretty much locked down voluntarily、um, after the Wuhan outbreak. So he was having a hard time getting a hospital bed for his late stage liver cancer, and I couldn't go back to home、um, to China to to say goodbye. So I had there some of the images, some of the story, like the ones you mentioned, the very human story that really moved me personally. So I think I naturally gravitates towards the story that resonated strongly with me. Yeah, that resonated with me as well because、uh, you know, and I rarely get personal on this podcast about my my own uncle、uh, who was also suffering from dementia, passed away in April, and he、uh, had COVID. And, oh my god!、Uh, it was unfortunate. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was awful because we couldn't see him、uh, before he went, and I know it was really tough for his kids, my、uh, my cousins.、Um, I'm just wondering if you can, if you know, or if you can say anything about the toll,、uh, you know, telling、uh, the deceased family, the families of the deceased, just you know that they that their their、uh, relations have passed away. I don't know if you can talk a bit about、uh, what that what that meant for the the hospital staff that were featured in the film.、Uh, I think the、uh, the outbreak in Wuhan happened so suddenly, and the lockdown happened really out of the blue, almost. And I think everyone in Wuhan was shocked. The health workers, either local hospital staff or medical teams sent from other parts of China to support Wuhan, they were overworked.、Uh, they had very long days, and they could barely get out of the contamination zone to use bathrooms because once you, you know, leave the contamination zone, you you can't go back in again. And there were very limited amount of personal protect,、um, 
protection equipments, uh, you know, um, every, everybody has their own quota uh, for the day. So it was really, uh, it was really difficult work for everybody and also emotionally draining. I think uh, many, there has been reports recently about uh, healthcare workers who work um, in Wuhan suffering from um, PTSD. Um, it's, it's really hard on them, uh, both physically and emotionally. It, it, it's still it's amazing though that it the emotion still comes across despite the fact that they're wearing you know masks and and they're covered up in, in all this equipment you know you can still sort of it still sort of registers uh in their voices and you know i'm i don't uh i can't understand what they're saying you know it's it's uh, I'm, I'm, i don't I speak english so i don't uh but i can still it, it still registers very um effectively yeah it this has been an amazing editing process because at the beginning of the edit, I was constantly worried that, uh, especially for people outside of China who don't understand Chinese language, um, would they be able to pick up uh, the, 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 the tiny shifts in tones and also the little gestures that the patients and healthcare workers, they had towards, you know, they, uh, towards each other. But uh, even during test screenings, when I had socially distant test screenings before I locked the film, I think I'm... Um, you know, my American friends got it, uh, which has been surprising. I, th- I, I think it's really, a, you know, credit to my co-directors who were able to just capture those little details that, that are moving. You know, you mentioned that the, 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 the subjects of the film, the, the hospital staff, they, I think they wanted, you know, uh, this story told. And, um, you know, not unlike Li Wen Liang, who's the doctor who sounded the alarm about the virus and he was eventually punished for it. Um, and he unfortunately passed away from coronavirus. I'm just wondering if, you know, if the subjects of the film, if the, if the hospital staff, you know, are, have you had any contact with them since? Um, do you know how they feel about it now? Um, not particularly. I think it, the filming in Wuhan has also been traumatic for my um, co-directors. I don't hmm. necessarily think they really want to. First of all, they, they are not uh, continuing to film or what what's happening with the characters? Uh, to to some, especially with Wei Xi, um, Wei Xi Chen. He's a reporter for Esquire China. He's normally based in Beijing, uh, so to be separated from his wife and his uh, friends and being basically locked down in Wuhan for I think over two months or three months was really hard for him. Uh, yeah. They 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 are still in touch sometimes with some of the workers. Um, Sorry, the hospital staff. Uh, I think right now they are doing okay because Wuhan has fully reopened. Life has come back to some uh, kind of normalcy over there. So mm. people are just trying to move on. Well, uh, you know, we're, I'm talking to you uh, from Toronto, but you're in New York. And, you know, in the United States, we've seen just how politicized the, the pandemic has become, uh, you know, even wearing a mask is seen as sort of some kind of political statement for some people. But what about in China? I'm wondering if you can talk a bit about just to what extent the, the pandemic has been politicized there, if at all. Oh, that's a good question. I think, yes, there, there have been geopolitical finger pointing, right? Um, both from China and from the US. Um, I, I'm not privy to what's on their mind, uh, on the mind of the uh, decision makers or the government officials. Um, but based on what I read, um, my personal feeling is that China was feeling pretty defensive back in March and April. 
uh, when U.S. and some other countries started pointing fingers and trying to blame China for um, basically making this pandemic a lot worse than it could have been, right? So mm -hmm. I think that's why China has uh, been somewhat aggressive in trying to shift the blame, shift the narrative. Um, yeah, that's what I think what's happening in China. But right now, since I haven't been living in China for a while, so I don't know what's happening on a day-to-day basis with the COVID narrative. Yeah, that, 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 that's fair. I, I, you know, I mean, in, in terms of that, um, the geopolitics, I mean, Trump, you know, he calls it the China virus or uh, some people call it the Wuhan virus. Um, so this demonization of Wuhan, which, you know, I don't think many people in the West knew about before this pandemic happened. Um, I got to imagine the people of Wuhan must feel pretty uh, terrible about having their city be um, demonized the way that uh, it has been. I'm wondering if, uh, I don't know if you can speak to that, because I know you haven't been in China for a while, but um, I'm wondering if that uh, came across at all in either the filming or uh, from your co-directors. Yes, definitely. I think, I think first of all, I think Wuhan um, people, the residents in Wuhan were angry at the very beginning because not just the rest of the world, even within China, um, other regions of China discriminated against uh, people coming from Wuhan. They didn't want them to stay in hotels because they were so afraid of the Wuhan resident will bring virus uh, to their neighborhoods or to their cities. Uh, so that was really sad to see, and it was widely condemned in China as well. Um, mm. But looking back, I think um, if we look at how Trump reacted to this, how uh, some parts of America or so, uh, some parts of the American population reacted to this, trying to blame China, uh, you know, to to some degree, it's human nature, right? We always want to scapegoat something, like during the Black Death, uh, Europe blamed the Jews, right, um, right. for starting the Black Death, uh, uh, the plague. And so, but at the same time, it's really stupid. Um, and and also, on the, uh, on the other hand, the entire country was angry at the beginning of the outbreak because people, in, even in China, couldn't understand what, why this outbreak became so bad. Why did we have to lock down the entire city of Wuhan? Why were the hospitals so underprepared for this? Why were doctors, um, you know, were, why, why were doctors contracting this disease? And why did the police shut down, uh, uh, you know, um, silence the whistleblowers? There was a lot of anger. But I think what shifted in China was uh, as the pandemic hit other countries, right? And what we saw was most of the governments were underprepared. And if you look at the U.S. government, even right now, we don't still have clear voice from the very top. We still don't have clear leadership uh, in rallying the entire country, mobilizing the entire society to combat this virus. So I think that made you know, the Chinese society, you know, in some ways, less angry at their own government. Well, that's interesting. So, yeah, just looking at what's been happening overseas has sort of um, changed the, uh, I guess the the in terms of blame. I guess they're they're no longer as angry at the at the at their at their, author, their own authorities, eh? Yeah, and just based on my conversation with my family in China, I think they, yeah, in some strange way, people feel like in in February March people want to get out of China, but after March people want to get back into China because things there over there were uh, have been under control. 
Interesting. Well, we have to wrap up, but you know, this footage that that you've uh, got and uh, this film that you've put together, um, you know, it really captures just uh, some of the worst, you know, scenes of, uh, of misery. But I mean, there's obviously some hope, I think, in the end. And um, I'm wondering just what you hope viewers will take away from watching this film. I'm because my own feeling towards the pandemic, towards, um, you know, how we how different societies reacted to this pandemic have shifted during the making of the film is uh, the process itself. So I think right now I'm on, I would just would like to remind everybody, like we're all living through this together. Um, it's really disheartening to see the geopolitical fights. And also just within each country, there's uh, domestic political fights over this pandemic. I, I, first of all, I think my, I want to use my film to remind people this is COVID is serious. It's just not, it's not just some numbers, some statistics you read in the newspapers. Uh, people are dying, and it's uh, often a very lonely experience when you uh, when you die from COVID. Uh, at the same time, I think across different societies and different countries, the way we try to cope with COVID, the kind of despair, fear we had in the beginning, the kind of hope we cling on to in order to survive this, are very similar. So let's work together and try to beat this virus back. That's a great place to leave it. Hao Wu, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. And that's the podcast. 76 Days is being released today by MTV Documentary Films and more than 50 virtual cinemas. Check it out. If you liked what you heard, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps new listeners find the show. You can also tell a friend about us and spread the word on social media. You can write to us at ondocs.tvo.org. We read everything you send. You can also find me on Twitter at ColinEllis81. OnDocs is produced and edited by Matthew O'Mara. Our production support coordinators are Nikki Ashworth and Jonathan Hollowell. Katie O'Connor is our series producer. And Laurie Few is the executive producer for digital. We'll catch you at the next screening.